Good afternoon. Welcome to Talking Context with Tim, Cody, and Tyler. Uh, we are joined, and I'm honored to be joined by Lucy Stasio. She's a former Brooksville PD, and uh, she's here. She's the director of the vet of veter of first responders here at the Heat Factory. So, welcome, Lucy. How are you today? Hi, and I'm doing good. Um, glad to be here. <laughs> I... Glad to have you. Glad to have you. So you you said that you you grew up for a long time. You, I grew you, up up in New York. Up in, the, in New York in the projects. You grew up in the projects, and that's what made you want to become a police. That's kind of where your calling I to become was, a police officer came from. Correct. I was um, picked on, bullied, mm. beat up, had to fight my way out of the building, fight my way back into the building. Mm. You know, it was yeah. just a constant struggle, and that that takes a toll on a little kid. It sure does. So you grow up, and you're very um, I don't know. You, you just wanted to make things right. You didn't want anybody else to go through that right. crap that you went through. I wanted to I wanted to be the hero for those those kids. And because as an officer, I did enjoy um, the police work that evolved around the children. Mm -hmm. uh, domestics, I like to resolve domestics, remove the threat. Make I, it work, get knowing, them together. Knowing you now, I can definitely see that, though, Lucy. You, you definitely have that temperament, that voice, that mediator, like yes. that peace in, within you that I could imagine you as a police officer. You pull somebody over. You're very respectful, very, like, even keel. Like, you know, I, I've I, gotten hugs on traffic stops. That's amazing. From, from I, the, And I wrote a ticket. Her, if you know her, <laughs> you understand how this is happening. You, you do. You do. You just do. I've arrested, uh, I had an arrest, and it was a uh, dancer at a club, and there was a warrant for her. And I <laughs> went into the, the bar, and we removed her before her show. It was a stripper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, took her to jail. The whole time, I let her change into clothes, talked with her out to the jail. I you, thought I was just being myself. But you treated her like a human being. Got to booking, and she wanted to hug me goodbye because she said, no one ever made me feel like somebody mm. until you. And mm. I said, just doing my job. Uh, she goes, no, you did more than your job. You didn't treat me like a piece of garbage. That's amazing. I said, you're not. You're just someone that broke the law. But but that speaks to you, you're Lucy. No yeah, I mean, that's I'm no where, better than you. That's where we need more of that in today's yes. police culture, not... To say that good or bad, but we could we could right. always use more of that. And I'm I'm grateful to I have agree. you be that kind of person. I'm grateful to have you in my life as a friend and as a coworker. And you've had to pay a price for yourself, but um, we're working through it. It's right? worth it. Yes, we're working through it. So. so I've been on both sides of the fence. If someone says, "Well, you don't know," I wasn't privileged at all, mm. but I made sure I wanted to be in that position. To make sure that doesn't happen again to, and it's, uh, to it's, other people. Right. But it could speak to perspective, though, and how people could see, like, if they saw you, because we're on an air. But if they saw you, you're blonde, blue eyes, beautiful woman, they would never know. They would, you know, you'd, you'd hear, but you'd hear. If they saw you, Thank they you. would never think that that was your struggle growing up as a kid. Right. Because right. of where we are in context here in Brooksville, Florida, People would not think you came from the projects of New York and you had to fight your way in the building and out of the building. The way that you say that, as a fellow New Yorker, I understand what you're saying. Oh, yeah, you, you find, yeah, you yeah, find little ways out. You listen for noises and yeah. you just know how to get around the trouble. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it speaks to how we got to get past what we see. 
and understand what we know, you know, and within each other and meet, right. talk to each other. And, you know, and because if you're listening and if you've never seen her before, when you walk through the door, you're going to be like, "Is you did 22 years. You were a police officer. Yep. Yep. She has. So I, um, I gave 22 years in law enforcement, mm -hmm. um, a little bit more in other fields related to law enforcement. Um, I started my career in city of Brooksville. Mm -hmm. um, and then my other half of the career was Pasco Sheriff's Office. And I wow. retired a sergeant in uh, around 2014 or 15. Um, it was quite a journey. <laughs> it had its ups and downs. Um, I don't regret it at all. I saw a lot was part of a lot and um like I, I would I wouldn't want you to really um re-experience or come up with any of those things right now because right we both have the same thing that we suffer and we deal with every day on a daily basis so that's not something that we want to bring up but what are some of your duties what were some of the jobs you did while you were in you you were a police officer okay and, um, yeah. did, you know, did you do traffic? Did you do, were you, uh, did you pull guys over regularly with somebody who's listening? Maybe one of the people you pulled over at some point. Now that could be when they hear the name. But <laughs> <laughs> city of Brooksville, uh, you pretty much did everything. You were a police officer. Mm. So you did everything from, uh, okay. forensic work, detective work, uh, social work, patrol, wow. first aid, first responder, uh, so you're really immersed when Brooksville PD, you were really immersed in the community in all aspects. It wasn't just like now how certain officers do yeah. certain things like you had to kind of be a jack of all trades within the police department. You did. Wow. When you turned your report in, you had to have done all all segments of it. You had to go out, find your witnesses. You had to get your interviews done. You had to gather your evidence, go process Wow. Things uh, bring the evidence back, send it to wherever you had to send it. If it had to go down to FDLE. Um, so now and now we're I would imagine uh, uh, if there's a case, uh, there's like five different people that are working on that case, like from doing the things you're talking oh, about. Yes. And yeah. now that's the job like before it was you had to do it all. And I imagine it wasn't any any easier being a woman back no. then to be no. doing what you were doing either. And, Right. And I went in knowing I was going into what I thought was a man's world. Mm -hmm. And I went in with the attitude that I was going to bring to the table what I could bring, mm. not take over their job or try to compete with them because I felt we could all give something to the work. Right. And uh, it was still it was still a tough world. Oh, for sure. I'm, I could only As imagine. a female officer, I can tell you that you can't show your emotions. You can't have a... Um, any type of uh, visible bond to your case, mm. even though as females we tend to, we're, we're a way much more emotional creature than mm -hmm. a man in most uh, cases. Definitely more emotionally in touch. That's for sure. True. Because sometimes men hear that and they're like, yeah, women are emotional. Like, yeah, my wife goes off the handle for this. And that's, I don't think that's what Lucy's saying right now. I think, no. uh, and I, I'd agree that I think. I'm. I come from a family of a lot of women, so I'm blessed to. Say, I think that I honor that that women are emotionally in touch yeah. and more mature than we are. That's for sure. You're <laughs> blessed to know uh, firsthand the makeup of a female. Yes. Yes. And I did. I did the job. Mm -hmm. I kept everything 
shoved down deep mm. inside. Uh, if I did my crying, it was driving home. It was in the shower, and uh, any yelling and screaming was in private. And right. then I put the uniform on, and I was ready to go again. Something that I, I think that should be mentioned is that, you know— um, for veterans, it tends to be something that we are, you know, because we go on a deployment, you're there for six months or a year or, you know, whatever your space is. But as a police officer or as a firefighter or as a 911 dispatcher, it's different because, like, you have to bury that on a daily basis. Like, this is, it's integrated in your everyday life. Like, we have a separation because we go to a theater of war, right? We Our family's still here. Our family's still safe. But you guys have to protect the streets, protect yourself, protect. It's a whole different dynamic on a mindset on when you get in that patrol car, I would imagine. Am I am I close to it? Is that kind of? Oh, yeah, sure. You When we go to work and you've had a bad situation at home, you have to walk out of that, turn that off, mm. put on your 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 face for duty and leave that behind. It's not always possible. Some of the some of the officers uh, may have had a domestic argument before they left. Right. They may have left their wife and child at the emergency room, mm. and they got to go to duty. Right. And you you got to go in with a clear head. Is it easy? No. No, I I can't imagine that it is. And you know I, you know I do you see there are a lot of videos out there, and there are good cops and there are bad cops, and there are good people and there are bad people in every profession right. and everything in the world. And you, we don't always see what happens before and we don't always see what happens after on a lot of those videos. So it's very important that we take it into context the right way. Correct. And we know all the information because then we can make a, a, an informed decision on whether it was right or wrong in our opinion on what that officer did. But I, I, my brother-in-law is a police officer in New York, NYPD, and I just couldn't imagine. That's I took the test. I thought about it when I got out, like most veterans do. They think about going to their hometown and being a police officer because you're in the military. It's an easy transition, right? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Gun to gun, you kind of think that. and But it's very different. It is very, very different. And I... I couldn't imagine you at that time. Like now there's a lot more equality out there for women and um, for just in general in the workplace. But I just couldn't imagine. I couldn't like you being a police officer. Not that you being a police officer per se. Yeah, because I, I know I, what you I, mean. I know you, Lucy, and you're a tough <laughs> cookie. That's for sure. You don't take no crap from nobody. So, but the whole thing of just being in a, and then down here in Brooksville was a lot smaller back then. It was a little bit more country back then. Things were a little bit very different, I would imagine. And you just doing what you did is it, it, it needs to be applauded. It needs to be recognized. I think we need to recognize not just police officers, but um, I think women police officers, just like women in the military, they take a very big hit on just being a woman, just showing emotion right yeah. away. It's they're vulnerable. They're weak. And I, that's unfair. I feel like that's very unfair because I know quite a few very strong women who are stronger than men. And in this building, <laughs> yes, in this building alone. Yeah, so. the women are very strong. I mean, look what they do. They, they hold a family together. Mm -hmm. They bear children. They raise children. They keep the home fires burning, per se. Yep, they sure do. So that men can get the job done where they're doing. But and, they don't do any, I don't believe they do any less of a, of a job. And, being female, but we've had to 
hold our ground. So, I mean, for you to do it that long, it was more than a job for you. It was a calling. Like you felt. Yes. You definitely felt a, an attachment to it. And I'm sure you've had your difficulties over the years. And as I did in the military and we all have had difficulties in life and I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy that Thank you. you're part of the heat factory. I'm happy that you're the director of first responders because um, if you come in, if you're a first responder or a vet, even a veteran and you talk to Lucy, you will know that she has the kindest heart and she, she just means so, she means so well for everyone. And I, I truly believe that sincerely. And you are the person that first responders, you're the perfect person for them to come and speak to, in my opinion. I just think that you can help them calmly and you can understand in so many different ways. Being a daughter of a veteran, correct? And also yes. having... My dad served have, in World War II and he is in a veteran's home now, being cared for by a veteran's association. Um, my son mm -hmm. served in Afghanistan and Iraq. Mm -hmm. And... Now he serves in the sheriff's office, so he's still serving. He has a servant's heart. So you have a very unique perspective on all of this. and Yes, and uh, I want to be there. I want to be there for peer support. I want to mm. be there for support of any kind for first responders. They want to vent. They want to have a phone call. They want to stop in. Um, veterans or first responders, I can help for anybody, really. I have a question as far as the whole, how often is it that a first responder, I don't know if you know about firefighters too, but a police officer per se, if they are, let's say they they come upon a bad case, it was a child or woman or whatever, it was murder, something horrific. How often are they able to go and get help after that? Or are they are they able are those services there for them within the department? And if they are, is how are they looked upon after going to these services? Those services are available. They're under different um, abbreviations like EAS, mm -hmm. Employee Assistance, um, EAP, Employee Assistance Program. Okay. The sheriff's office has a um, program in place. They have chaplains that ride along with us. Um, when I was on the road back in the 90s, uh, it, if it was there, I didn't know about it. <laughs> and I probably wouldn't have taken part in it because... It would have made you look weak oh, to yeah. the everyone else. Or, you know, like I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. That's, and it, I didn't talk about a bad day to anybody. I We talked upbeat about it like right. yeah did you see that that floater or whatever you kind of made the jokes and kind of just yes. that was the way Laughed that dark humor like most of us veterans have the same kind of dark humor when we come home yes I Be our families don't quite understand it but it's kind of the same thing like mo if you're not a police officer you might not understand no, that jargon and if, and if that. civilians hear the joking they think we're very cold callous and insensitive you know, and it's it not too. that that's just the way that you guys are able to cope and move forward that's and, how we vented then now yeah. they have these programs um i don't have the stats of if officers are taking part in it but mm -hmm. i can tell you that a lot of them that i'm aware of are not and that's the they're dealing part. with it on their own they do you think that's part is the fear and shame aspect of it? Like they feel that like there's a shame and they'll, they'll be considered wrong, weak or crazy, or there that's the fear behind it is that well, they don't want people, the other officers, to see them that way, man or woman. We're trained to be 
one step above mm. the civilian. We're trained uh, to hold a higher standard. We're right. trained to be braver. We're trained to go into trouble, not run from it. So why would we say, mm. I don't think I can do that, or I think I need a day off to process what I did. The red flags go up, and we don't know if you're fit for duty because, you know. So you're now, you're, in your opinion, as a, a police officer of 20-plus years, like, how much do you think it could help not just the officers, not ju- but the community that, that they serve if those services were more mandated or more obligatory after an incident or those horrific events or cases that they have to go see somebody kind of like a shooting, right? You guys have to go see somebody after you shoot someone. Why is it only with a shooting and not because you saw a kid torn apart by a dog, you you know, like who's, that's not something the normal person should be seeing. So like you should, you should take time to process that. Or pull a dead child out of a mother's arms. Right. Who thinks she's still, Alive. Alive. Yeah, nothing is more heartbreaking. I think it is. um, Do you think it can help the community as well? Is it just. Definitely. It's vital. I think it's vital for the mental health of the force to keep it all intact. It's just to me, it's it's healthy therapy. I agree. I I think it can help. Coming from, you know, an impoverished and, and a ghetto community and coming from the hood. So you know, did like I. I could, I came from I, the and, and, you know, when I grew up back then, you know, it wasn't this thing of the, the cops were that we had our regulars, yes, you know, our reg, and they patrolled still. It was still the kind of the foot cop, you know. He he ran, he walked the beat per se, and then things started to change somewhere along the line, where those guys we didn't have the regulars, and there was a very big disconnect between the community and the police department. Right. And it wasn't that you couldn't, you felt like there was a distrust. And I feel like we still have that nationwide. And I, I just think that if you see the good stories, obviously there's plenty of good cops out there that are doing great things in the community. There's a cop in Memphis. There's one in Jacksonville, like there are that I know of that are on social media that are really out there and doing things. But we could have every police officer doing that if they, we just treated mental health, just like the cold. Do you agree with that? Like, it, oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because, you know, I, you can't send these officers into battle every day and not debrief them and not mm. make sure that they are mentally healthy as well as physically healthy. They spend big money to keep us physically fit for the job, right? Um, but the mental health is not looked at the way it should be yet. I agree. And I, I'm I'm so happy for a program like this, like the Heat Factory, where we would have maybe never met in our lives in any way, in any shape or form, because you are a police officer and I am a vet. And there is that stigma in our communities that we don't like each other or you guys don't understand us. or And I think education and through education and awareness, right. I think that we could be able to make those connections. And I think that's what happens here at the Heat Factory is that we realize something that one of our former people here used to say is we're all branches of the same tree, you know, yes. and that tree is PTSD and that way and the depression and the anxiety, but we're the, we're all branches of that same tree. And we're all, um, we're all part of the same. We are. We all part of the same family. We are. And we're going out to make our world safe. And I never would have realized it to that 
degree unless I was here. Unless right. it was here and I got to sit down with you and other first responders that I've met here so far. And um, uh, one of the things I know as a veteran, I, I wanted, I would love to get more. I was speaking to Marie about this and I would love to get more 911 dispatchers in here. Yes. Um, and not to downgrade how much a firefighter or a police officer sees or deals with on a daily basis. But I feel like there's something to the fact that I pick up the phone and I'm helping you. Hello, 911. I got to hear all the worst crap that you're going through in two or three minutes. And then I have to hang up and go on to the next call. And, it, you know, it could be something as horrific as a dying kid or suicide, or suicide attempt. attempt or whatever. And they don't know how that ends. Like that has to be in the back of your mind as a regular human being. It bothers us just to leave the faucet on or leaking or something like it just sticks in the back of our head. Did I turn the stove off and that'll stick in your head all day? Can you imagine taking 300 calls or 20 calls or 50 calls a day and they're all bad and that's all you deal with through a whole shift? Like, and they don't have an ending. No. And so that, that is, do you think that's something that maybe we can move forward with and try to maybe try to make some connections and try oh, yeah. to get I'm hoping our first responder program will incorporate 911 operators coming out whether we have a a peer support group or a potluck dinner awesome speaking of which yeah be... March 13th we're having a potluck <laughs> veteran tea factory over at Joni Industries if you're listening and you're out here in Brooksville Spring Hill come out to the potluck but yeah that's right come out and Talk and meet and greet. Yeah, and just, just mingle and just hand, just relax. Hang out. Yep. yep, just let it go. Some good company and good times. Stuff like that. Um, uh, little programs, little get-togethers. Just a couple hours um, throughout the month where we all can just get together and just chat. Just be ourselves and let go. Don't have to be any kind of formal counseling or any of that stuff that we all look down on. Because just talking to someone and someone being there to listen, mm -hmm. like myself and like Tim, you don't know how much that helps, but it helps a lot and it heals. It does. When it we does. let go of something and all we did was say, thanks, man, for listening. Yep. You healed that person. You healed that person of that moment that he had to let something go. He didn't bury it. Yep. That's for sure. And what you'll find here is that you'll find people who want to listen to you here. Oh, yeah. We, got we genuinely want to listen. Everybody's like, a listener yes, here. Yes, we want to listen. We want to help each other because we know that that's helped us. Yes. So that's how we can pay it forward and help each other. So. And that's what it is. Yeah. So as soon as we hear someone needs to talk, we go, wow, I, I got a purpose. Yep. I can listen to this person. Yeah, and that's just and that's what we spoke about on our last episode when Gus was our guest and he was, yes. we were talking about purpose. And it's even just listening, that is a purpose that you don't know that you can provide for another veteran and and you don't know that you're doing it, but then, you know, there's great people here like Diane and Gus and yourself and, and Marsha. And, you know, there's people here that will help you to find that purpose. If you don't even know you, you don't see it in yourself. They see it yeah. in you and they're going to help you to realize it. they're not going to push you, but they will guide you and help you to realize. I, I believe that because it's happened to me. Yeah, so. we, we don't have many first responders coming yet, but on the veterans that have come in and talked and pulled me aside or pulled you aside, mm -hmm. they are. Uh, you can just see a light go on when they're talking and, and feel the light go on in yep. us because, wow, I, I feel important because yes. I'm helping this person. He just wants to talk. Yep. All I got to do is listen. And it, it's, 
it's such a fulfilling feeling it, I, it, it just that to we listen. can pay it forward yeah I, I feel like for so long in my life i would i didn't listen you know no. because i was so angry i was so fearful i was so shameful i was in my own head my own anxiety my own depression kept me from being the best version of myself i and turned off to to the world it's amazing what it does to us and we don't know that it's doing it to us so um i'm grateful for this program and can you briefly just for those out there who are first responders uh the modules are 14 weeks at the heat factory and you know i know we've spoken about how they help veterans how can you just quickly how has how have they helped you the modules the modules will be a big help they're on mondays um at one o'clock mm-hmm. And at six o'clock? Yes. Now we have an evening one for those who are working, veterans and veterans and first responders. We have an evening session now. Just come on out. You don't have to talk. You don't have to do any homework. You come out and you see a PowerPoint, hear a um, a teacher instruct it, and it's on coping skills. It's on recognizing the symptoms of post-traumatic stress. Uh, recognizing the aftermath of it on your family, on your your health, your attitude, even your anger and anxiety, how Mm -hmm. it's all tied in and how we can rise above all that and actually be functioning normal, in quotations, (laughs) adults. Yes. um, With goals and dreams and purpose and not be just shut down in our own little cocoon where we just don't want to talk to nobody, don't want to deal with anything, and just go around feeling angry or maybe suppressing it with drugs or alcohol. Mm -hmm. So when people say, I don't have an issue, but I'm going to go get a few drinks tonight. Well, what are you drinking for? Because it, you know, you're masking something. You're, You're masking something. something. Yeah. It isn't like it tastes like lemonade. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> it, it was funny because for me sitting through modules, it was at first I just thought it was mumbo jumbo. And then, you know, after you sit through three, four, and then it becomes eight, nine, ten. And I've done multiple <laughs> modules multiple times. Me too. And it's like, you know, throughout the year I go, I try to sit in every Monday still. For a year I try to go every Monday and sit and it. You, it's just every week is something new because there's always a different perspective. There's somebody different sitting there. They've learned something new and you can learn from them. And Oh, sure. It, and it's, it, it really is amazing. The modules are teaching. It's also there's an, op, an open forum part of it where mm-hmm. we all just something triggered you in watching it and you want to talk about something. And that'll trigger someone else to tell a story mm-hmm. and someone else. And sometimes we we all end up just talking. Sometimes we'll see a video. Yeah. So it's always interesting. It's a fun class. It really I is. It really is. And you learn a lot about yourself and you don't when you don't even know what's happening. And it's like no. it's like osmosis or something. It just one day you just wake up and you look in the mirror and it's just like, Oh, you're there. Hello. Yeah. Who are you? And it's like this whole identity crisis, that kind of this mini identity crisis. Because like, I didn't know who I was. I was so, so angry fearful, shameful, all of these things. And then when I finally said I woke up and I came out of the fog, I'm like, there you are. Now, now who are yeah. you? Where are you going next? Like, what do you do? Could you even say you feel worthless anymore? Hell no. I know. Hell no. But when we walked way... through the door, we did. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> I was suicidal when I walked through the doors here. I was genuinely suicidal. I didn't care about my life. I didn't care about, I cared about everyone else. And I just didn't give a shit about me. That's where I was. Sometimes I think Gus looks at us as all his family because mm-hmm. he has seen us at our worst. Yes. 
He hasn't thrown us out. Yeah. And he still keeps us here, right? He still keeps us here. He still keeps the lights on. He still keeps <laughs> us. He he get, he donates his offices. He, you know, yes. he donates space to us. He keeps it going still. He's an amazing guy. And, and Right. And him and Diane, they're both wonderful yes, people. Yes. And they are keeping this program alive. So I knew Gus for about 25 years. I knew him when I was a police officer in Brooksville. He was involved with the community then. Mm-hmm. And our paths crossed at events and things. And we were friends. Um, and about a year and a half ago, he got in touch with me and he knew I was a cop all these years and he wanted to meet for coffee. And he told me his story about this heat factory that he had, had a vision and wanted to do something to give back to the community, give back to those that served. And he wanted to know if I wanted to be part of that. And that's how it started. I said, yeah, I'll come down to a meeting. I'll see what it's about. And I met another officer that I knew from way back when. And I just, I, it stuck from that day forward. And I, I remember when I first got here, like, I didn't really talk that much anyway. But you almost didn't talk at all. Mm-hmm. Like, you just very observant, you know, doing your police thing, you know. Like, you're observing the situation. And um, I would maybe... Over the summer, maybe, where me and you, we kind of got closer and was like, we started to actually talk. But that was because things clicked for me, too. So I don't know what happened right. for you. Yes. But, you weren't real uh, sociable right. in the beginning. You talked to the one male officer, and I just kind of, I felt like I was the third person, and that officer would constantly say, no, you're one of us. Yeah, and, he was good about that. He was, yes. I mean, I, he's definitely missed, but he, hopefully we yeah, get him back soon. He kept but, pulling me back in when I would want to back out because yeah. I didn't feel like that was part of the click mm-hmm. but it really was no click it was um all of us trying to grow into a family that's the perfect way of like putting it like a bunch I of agree. stepchildren or yeah. foster kids and we all had to live under one roof yes and we're still evolving and we're still oh, yeah. growing and it's, it's fun it's fun that's it it is fun now <laughs> i think you hit the nail on the head though because they've seen us at our worst at our worst they saw us when we walked through the door the very first day at the our what we would probably our lowest moments our in our family life. would kick us out and yeah. they didn't yeah and they didn't and no, they no judgment no nothing just how can i help you what's next that kind of that mentality and man i i like i'm so overwhelmed i just don't know how i wish i could scream it through the mic and have and people could feel it because it's amazing me like, too like so many people carrying that heavy, heavy burden and doing great jobs out there. Yep. Great soldiers, great officers doing the job just, just like we through, did. Just pushing through. But they're carrying that giant boulder on their yep. back and we want to just take that boulder off them. And you can still do your job. If not, you could even yes. do it better. You could still be yourself. Yep. You don't have to be... You won't be a veteran. Less... You could be active duty. If you're an airman at McDill Air Force Base and you want to come to a meeting on Monday or you're an officer down in Hillsborough, Pasco, Citrus County, and listen, no one's here going to go and rat you out or tell on anybody. Like you, We care yeah. about the person that you are. Whether you are you wear a badge or whatever, that's just who you are to get in the door. And then after that, I want to know who John Smith is or Mary Jane Smith. I want to know who those people are. And Yeah. Tell and, me, how was your day? Yeah, Tell me some stories. Yes. We're here to listen. Yes, that's what we're here for. And Like I you said, a badge or a flag? We want to see you. We want to see you, exactly, <laughs> right? Correct. Do you have anything left to add, Lucy? Or No, I don't, other than this program does work. It's, it's a great place to come. It's a great place to just visit and hang out. Come meet us. We'd love to meet you, and 
that's about it. Again, the, you thank know, you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being here. This was an awesome conversation. Thank, uh, I want to say if you're a first responder, if you're a police officer, if you're a, first, if you're a firefighter, a 911 dispatcher, and you just so happen to listen to this podcast and you're you're just looking for somebody who understands where you're coming from, who's not going to judge you and who's not in that space right now, but who has been, Lucy Styles is your person. Just come on into the Heat Factory. Give us a call here. We're at, here at the Heat Factory. And... Um, well, if we don't have the answer, we'll do what we can to find the answer. So, and one more, yeah, sure, one more thing. I'd like you to come in and talk to me. And if you're currently on the job, give me some ideas on what you think mm. would work for the working officer, because I know what will work as of now, but I could use some new ideas and try to get them implemented so that we all have a common uh, network to keep everybody healthy and happy and that, alive. That's a great point. That's very well said. So thank you again, Lucy. And uh, I, I went real quick. I just want to thank the Marine Corps League Detachment 708 again. Uh, they sponsor our podcast and we're very grateful and honored to have them to do that for us. Thank you again. And you thank are you. a warrior, Lucy. Thank My you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Remember, we all have value. Stay positive. Stay forward. Have a great day.